All right, so the Matt has no clue about construction. If you attend Renfrew, you heard Matt say in, I think, when we moved out, oh, for sure we'll be in September. And then September came along and you heard Matt say, oh, for sure after Thanksgiving we'll be there. And then last week you heard Matt say, oh, next Sunday is going to be spectacular. We're going to be in our building again. And we're homeless right now. So thank you. Thank you, Daybreak. So Daybreak, when you are ready to go into your building plan, whatever I say, just go. Matt has no clue what he's saying about construction. So uh, thank you, Daybreak, for hosting us. Uh, Katie started this service with an important thing. And it, it the beauty of Renfrew and Daybreak is God's placed us right in the middle of communities. So Renfrew on uh, Halloween night, when some of us were handing out chocolates to our neighborhood, there was many conversations about, man, it's great to see what you're doing in your new, in your building. It's great to see you're renovating it. We can't wait to, to come back in. Renfrew, we can't wait to, uh, just be a part of what's going on. One man said to me, which was very interesting, he said, man, I can't believe you guys still are handing out chocolates even when you're not here. Uh, we were worried that you weren't going to, and my kids look forward to it. Uh, and, and so that's for you, Renfrew, and Daybreak. Man, when I started ministry in Calgary 30 years ago, I remember coming here and you saw hay. <laughs> And it was like one day, one day, one day that the church is going to be surrounded by homes and now we have that opportunity. And so daybreak, it's going to be very exciting as we determine, okay, God, what are you calling us to, to be a part of this community that, that we're a part of? Uh, I love that as network churches, we get to come together, partly because I don't have to rush right after the service so I can now preach for an hour and a half, my dream, uh, you complaining about that, Brett? Okay. <laughs> wow, Brett's on staff and he's complaining. Um, uh, if you have kids and you haven't uh, sent them back, Kayla's back there and you want them to go to children's ministry, send them back to, to Kayla. Let me pray and we're going to get into that last chapter of Ruth. Uh, this has been a fun study as we looked at Ruth kind of living life the way that we kind of live life at times, and Jesus keeps appearing. So today we're even going to see more of, of Jesus. So let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thanks for the chance to have two of my favorite groups of people together. God, as we speak your word, we pray that our hearts would be open to hear what you have to say to us. It's easy for us to get distracted, whether it's our phone vibrating in our pocket or the list of things we need to get accomplished before work starts on Monday. But we do want to take time to worship you, to recalibrate our hearts and our minds back to what you call us to. You are a great God. We know that you can speak to us, and so we give you permission to speak to us. We love you in your name. Amen. Amen. How many of you have ever seen someone and you've thought this, man, I would love to have their life? 
You, you see someone and maybe it's just some part of their life, like you see their life on Instagram or Facebook and they've got thousands of friends. They're always having fun in their pictures. They're actually playing pickleball together when the weather's nice. They're at a restaurant together. And you're looking at them going, man, I wish I had a life like that. Maybe it's someone that you know that has a career that they actually went to school for. And they're actually doing that career. And you studied for the same career and you're not in that career. They're making good money. They're doing something that they enjoy. And you find yourself uttering those words, I wish I had a career like that. Or maybe it could be ministry. You look at someone and say, wow, they are making a huge difference. Or maybe you just look at their family. And they call them to church together. It looks like they really love and and like each other. And you get their Christmas card in the next month and they're perfect on that Christmas card. It might even just be a mindset. You just look at them. They seem consent, uh, content, sorry. They seem to have peace. And you just look on and you go, man, I wish I had what they had. The, the problem is when you look at somebody where they are, you're just seeing the current chapter. You see, you don't know the full story. You're, you're not seeing all the previous chapters that led up to that chapter that they're living in. You may look at their current chapter and say, I want that. But you didn't read the previous chapter that was all about private sacrifices. You, you didn't know about the chapter that had heartbreaking loss. You didn't read the chapter that was a few chapters earlier called Overcoming Insecurities. Or the chapter that said spiritual doubts. All you see is their current chapter. And so today I want to show you from the last chapter of Ruth a principle for life. Fear nothing in the next 20 minutes. Hear this. The decisions that you make today will determine the story you will tell tomorrow. Let me say that again. The decisions that you make today will determine the story you'll tell tomorrow. The decisions that you're making in your life right now, right today, what you do, what you don't do, who you're with, who you're not with, the decisions you're making today actually determine the chapter you're going to live out tomorrow. Let's get back into Ruth. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the last chapter of Ruth. Let me just give you some context so we can stay engaged with this. Ruth was a widow. She left Moab. She left Moab to turn to the God of Bethlehem. She came back to Bethlehem without much hope. She had no resources. She got to work. Instead of doing what a lot of women did back then, she, uh, she didn't sell her body. She didn't beg for money. She actually started gleaning, and we remember that word from a few weeks ago, in the field of a guy named Boaz. And, and a couple weeks ago, we said this. There's this great words in Scripture. She just so happened. It just so happened 
she started to glean in the field of a guy named Boaz. Now, remember, Boaz was a man of standing. We're not sure what his looks look like. But when Scripture tells us a man of standing, it talks about integrity. He had great character, and Boaz admired the character that he saw in Ruth. They went on what looked like a little date. They had lunch. He asked her to sit down. Sparks seemed to be flying a few weeks ago. And then Boaz, the man of standing, got distracted. He stopped paying attention to her. That was last week. He never followed up. So she, with the encouragement of her mother-in-law, she was told, lie down at the foot of his bed and say these words, remember me. Now, just so we're aware, Maris and McCulley are here. I have never, ever given advice like that, nor will I. She kind of like proposed to him and almost asked Boaz, would you be something that was called a kinsman redeemer? Now, remember what a kinsman redeemer was. That's important for us. A kinsman redeemer is someone who would protect a widow and provide for that widow. Kind of where we get Jehovah Jireh, our God, the provider. It's a family member who would step into a very important role to make sure that that widow was cared for. Now, according to the law, and this is just recapping last week, according to the law, there was a problem because Boaz wanted to be the kinsman redeemer, but he discovered there was another guy that was actually more closely related. So he wanted to step into the role, but because there was someone else, he had a huge problem. Somehow, Boaz had to find the guy. We don't know where he is. We don't know what he's doing. He had to work to find the guy and work a deal so that he could pursue the woman that he had fallen in love with. Now, to make this deal, Boaz had to do three things. He needed the same three things that we're going to need to write a better chapter in our life. He needed God's providence. He needed careful planning. And he needed lots of prayer. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So here's the very first one, okay? So Boaz needed the providence of God. If you have your Bibles, Ruth chapter 4, we're going to get there in just a second. Well, what's the providence of God? For you that have grown up in church, you might have heard this word and went, oh, I know what providence of God is. And you're like, I really don't know, but I don't want to say it. Well, here's what the providence of God is. Whenever God uses natural circumstances to bring about his supernatural will, When you look in the book of Ruth, what you're not going to see is you're not going to see any physical miracles. In the book of Ruth, there's no parting of the Red Sea. There's no opening of blind eyes. But what you see is the miraculous providence of a God where he uses natural circumstances to bring about his supernatural will. You're going to see in this last chapter He's got a problem, Boaz. He's got to find this guy. So what Boaz does is he goes to the town gate and he takes a seat there. Now, what's a town gate? This was the place where all the business would happen in the town. You would uh, you would negotiate a deal there. You would close on land there. This was kind of like going to the city council or going to court. So Boaz goes to the town gate 
He takes a seat there. And you're going to see this in Scripture just then. Just then, it so happens that the family redeemer he had mentioned came by. It just so happens by the providence of God that God was working through the natural circumstances to bring about his supernatural will. Now, if you have your Bibles, go to Ruth chapter 4, verse 1. Ruth chapter 4, verse 1. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be right behind me on the screen. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the right guy, the guardian redeemer, he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here. Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Now, here's where it's going to get technical for a minute. Stay with me. It'll actually help you. Now, the word friend is a very generous translation in the NIV of what the real words were in the Hebrew language. What in the Hebrew language, this is hilarious, Boaz calls this guy baloney alimony. Okay? In Hebrew, it's an idiom that's used only two other times in Scripture. What this literally means is it means a muted name. Hey, muted name. Or a literal translation would be, hey, Mr. No Name. Hey, Mr. No Name, come over here. We're going to discover that the author of the book of Ruth, Samuel, doesn't include the guy's name. I'll tell you probably why he didn't include it in a few minutes. So when did Mr. No Name show up? Well, verse 1 tells us he just so happened to show up. Well, did Boaz get lucky? Maybe you found yourself saying that same thing. Man, it was just luck that I went to Minnesota and met Michelle. Oh, it's just luck that we walked into that show home and were able to get a house for $20,000 cheaper than what was advertised. Oh, it was just luck that we didn't get in that car accident. Was it a coincidence? Friends, this is when God uses natural circumstances to bring about a supernatural will. So let's stay with the story. Mr. No Name just happens to show up by the providence of God at the exact right time in the right circumstances. Remember what do you need for a better chapter? You need the providence of God. I'll show you how this is spelled in the Hebrew language. Not really. <laughs> it's a really fancy word. Hashgasha. Pratis. Try to say that twice. In the Hebrew language, what happens though is really cool. You actually read it from right to left. Obviously, in English, we le read from left to right. This is the providence of God. The providence of God is like reading Hebrew from right to left. It's best understood when we read backwards. If you want to see the providence and the power of God in your life, it's best to look where you are and look backwards to see how God used natural circumstances you didn't realize to bring about his supernatural will in your life. I'll give you a personal example of reading backwards in my, in my own life. 
the just-so-happened moments in my life. I remember sitting in McDonald's with a guy named Darren Falk going, Matt, would you consider coming to Renfrew Baptist Church? One of the best decisions I made. I remember getting a call from somebody at daybreak going, Matt, do you think you could help us out at daybreak? One of the best decisions I've made in my life. I remember getting a call from Terry Fawson going, Matt, actually, our association needs some help. Would you, would you just consider joining us? You have those moments in your life. The providential will of God is a lot like reading Hebrews. Like reading Hebrew, sorry. It's best when it's viewed backwards. If you look at the book of Ruth and where we've been, you're going to see in chapter 4 that Ruth gets incredibly blessed. You have to remember this isn't like Ruth chapter 1 or 2 or 3. If you were going to title some of Ruth's previous chapters, you might have called them suddenly and tragically widowed. Maybe chapter 2 would have been the faith actually to leave Moab. Maybe an, another chapter in Ruth would be broke and broken in Bethlehem. So friends, if you find yourself hoping for a better chapter, start to look for the providence of God. You're not in your final chapter yet. God is still writing your story and there is more story for him to tell. The providential will of a very good God. All right, so that's the first one. Boaz needed kind of God's providential power. The second one is you need a strategic plan. Friends, planning is incredibly spiritual. I'm, I'm going to show you what Boaz did. It's pretty interesting. I love Boaz. Boaz isn't a pastor. He's not a prophet. He's not a priest. He's just a good business guy. Where was he going? He wasn't going to a Bible study. He wasn't going on a missions trip. He was going to make a business deal. But God was all over this deal. See, you can be in business and please God all day long. I hope for you that don't work in the church, you understand that. Ruth chapter 4 says this. Look at verse 4 through 6. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest to Mr. No Name that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you don't, tell me so I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you. I am next in line. Mr. No Name responds, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the, of the dead with his property. Look at Mr. No Name. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I can't redeem it. I don't want that baggage. Because I might endanger my own estate. You take it. You redeem it. I can't do it. He tells them, hey, you remember Amalekek? He was married to Naomi. 
Well, you know, Naomi's widowed, and so if you want his land, here's what you need to do. The guy said, and Mr. No Name said, all right, basically, all uh, you want me to sell the land for pennies on the dollar? I'll do it. And then Boaz says, oh yeah, there's one more thing. This is God working his strategic plan. Mr. No Name, you got to raise babies, and then you got to give the land that you spend your money on back to the family. You don't even get to keep it, so... What does Mr. No Name do? This wasn't the deal I agreed to. You're telling me the deal comes with a few widows? One is a Moabite woman. She's not even from here. The other is her grumpy mother-in-law. I got to provide for both of these. I got to pay for the land and then I got to give them the land. What kind of deal is this for me? So Mr. No Name says, I can't do it. This might wreck my own wealth. He looks at Boaz and says, you redeem it. The author looks on and says, I'm not even going to dignify that selfish guy who is more concerned with his money than any type of ministry. So that's why that guy's called Mr. No Name. You see, when you look at this story, you see that most people didn't have any plan in Ruth. Go back all the way to chapter 1. You remember Naomi's husband, Amalekite? Remember that Amalekite, his name means God my king? He didn't have a plan when he went to Moab. There was no will. He just left his wife high and dry. You remember Ruth's husband, Mahlon? Remember the two guys in chapter 1 we talked about, sick and tired? There was no plan. Mr. No Name didn't have a plan. He couldn't see past today. He had no plan. That's why, friends, I want to remind you of something here. One of the most spiritual things that you can do is make a plan. Here's what Proverbs 21 verse 5 says. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. As surely as rushing, haste, leads to to poverty. God had a plan. God sent his son, good planning and hard work. We live in a culture where very few people want to work hard. You want to eat? The Bible says, if you don't work, you won't eat. There is such a reward for hard work. Good planning and hard work leads to a life of blessing and prosperity. But hastiness, according to the author in Proverbs, And shortcuts actually lead to poverty. See, if you want a better chapter for your life, then you have to have a better plan. Some of you might say this, well, Matt, my marriage is struggling right now. So, what's your plan? Get a plan to be together in a small group of other married people together. Go and open up God's Word together. Let other people speak into your marriage. Maybe you need to plan to go to counseling. We haven't been able to figure this out on our own, so we're going to go and get some help, some godly wisdom to create a plan to help strengthen our marriage. Financially, what's your plan? Some of you, your plan is simply just this, spend more than you make. So instead, you need to plan to cut up your credit cards to make a plan to actually spend less. What's your health plan? Eat, sleep, eat some more. 
If you really want to honor God with your health, you have to develop a plan. You, You need to start to look and go, here's what I eat, when I eat, how I treat my body, when I go to the doctor, I need to create a little workout plan. If all of our friends are 90% of the time drunk and they're broke and they're far from God, maybe you need a different plan when it comes to your inside friends. Here's a key thing. The decisions that you make today determine the story you'll tell tomorrow. The decisions you're making right now is writing the chapter that's going to be published tomorrow. What do you need? The providence of God and you need a good plan. Look at verse 10 for a second. So Boaz works his plan. I also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malone's wife as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. He says this in front of all the witnesses at the city gate. Today, you are my witnesses. What was Boaz doing? Boaz was joining his chapter with her chapter, to create God's chapter. We're together through the providence of God, through through strategic planning. And we're going to aim to that last one, that prayer. We're going to find through this powerful, faith-filled prayer, God is entering the story. And God's going to bring out something that none of us could imagine. So that third area... You you want to be praying some faith-filled prayers. I don't know about you, but in fact, if we went backwards through the book of Ruth, you may or may not have noticed that prayer is all over this book. Almost every prayer in the book of Ruth is a short prayer. Sometimes people ask me, Matt, how long do you pray every day? Friends, I don't pray that long. The truth of the matter is, I don't pray very many long prayers, but there are very few long periods of time that I don't go without praying. There are very few long periods of time where I'm not talking to God in short bursts of prayer. Friends, this is what we see in the book of Ruth. Let me show you some of the prayers in Ruth. Naomi prays this, and they're going to be on the screen. May the Lord give you a husband. Ruth prays, may the Lord deal with me if I leave you. Boaz prays, may the Lord be with you. The workers pray, may the Lord bless you. Boaz prays, may the Lord repay and bless you. Ruth says, may I continue to find favor. Naomi says, may the Lord bless the man who blesses you. Boaz says to Ruth, may the Lord bless you. See, Prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer. And after the elders at the city gate pray a generous prayer of blessings, in Ruth chapter 4 verse 11, it says this, Then the elders and everyone at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Lee, who together built the family of Israel. May you have great standing in Ephrah and be famous in Bethlehem. Friends, I don't know about you, but I just happen to know someone else who's pretty famous in Bethlehem. His name is Jesus. And he's all over this story. 
if you see the providential power of God, and if you see the strategic planning and the faithful prayers of the people, the providence of God is like reading Hebrew. It's best understood when you read it backwards. I want to spend a few minutes looking at the story of Jesus backwards. What is the story of the gospel? The story of the gospel is this, that God so loved the world, God so loved you, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, who was perfect. The lamb of God without sin and was slain for the forgiveness of sins. He died on the third day. The stone was rolled away. He was not there. The tomb was empty. So that anyone, including you, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, that name that is above every other name, that name of Jesus would be saved. That's the gospel. It doesn't matter who you are, your sins are forgiven. Second Timothy 1.9 says this, He saved us and called us to live a holy life, not because of anything that we did, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Friends, reading backwards, before Jesus died and rose again, he actually prayed. On the cross, he declared, it's finished. He prayed, into your hands I commit my spirit. But before he died, before he rose again, before he prayed, Jesus was actually fulfilling God's strategic plan. God had a plan the whole time. Scripture tells us this plan. For God saved us and called us to a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was God's plan from before the beginning of time to show us His grace, His love, His mercy. Reading backwards, we see that Jesus was born without sin. How did that happen? He came from the Virgin Mary. The providence of God is actually like reading Hebrew. It's best when you read it backwards. Matthew chapter 1 verse 16 tells us, what did Mary do? Mary gave birth to Jesus who is called the Messiah. And where did that come from? Well, Mary was engaged to Joseph, whose father was Jacob. And if you look in Matthew chapter 1, you see the lineage of Jesus. And if you look at things backwards, you can you say Jesus came from Mary and Joseph, who came from Jacob and Matthew, who came from Eleazar, who came from Eliad, who came from Akim, from Zadok, who came from Azar, who, who came from Eliakim, who came from Ebud, from Zerubuel, from Sheatel, from Jehokin, from Josh, to Josiah, from Ammon, from Manasseh, from Hezekiah, who came from Ahaz, from Jotham, from Uzziah, from Joram, who came from Jehoshaphat, who came from Asa, who came from Abijah, who came from Rehoboam, who came from Solomon, who came from David, who came from Jesse, who came from a guy named Obed, who was born from Boaz and from Ruth. When you look backwards, you see the providential will the power, the plan of a good God who is working the whole time, who is working in your life in the good chapters and working in the dark chapters. When you look backwards, you see the providential will, the power, the plan of a good God who is working the whole time.
who is working in every single moment, pointing toward the grace and the glory and the goodness of His Son. So friends, whatever chapter you're in, God is in it with you. He's still working. He's still there in God's providence and through God's plan and through the prayers of the saints for a Savior, God offered salvation. Not because any of us deserved it. That was His plan. So if you think about your next chapter, what do you need? You need the providential power of God, which is best when we look backwards. Oh, that's how he used it. And that's what he was doing. I didn't see it, but he was there all the time. Good planning and hard work always leads to blessing and prosperity. A life of dependence on God. I'm with you, God. I need you. God, direct my steps. I'm praying, God. I'm depending on you. God, I'm not walking by sight. I'm walking by faith. God, direct my my steps. I need your guidance. I need your prayer. I need your wisdom. And with all of that, God will help write your next chapter. It'll be a chapter where he's glorified because he is with you and he is always good. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to share with my friends. God, thank you that you are a God in the story. That you are already writing a story that we have no clue where it's going to end. Lord, help us this afternoon even to look backwards. To be able to see the way that you have directed our steps even when we didn't think you were there. Thank you that you're a great God. We love and adore you. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. We love you in your name. Amen.